Welcome to the Pastor's Cut. I'm Trevor Lovell, one of the pastors here at Park Community Church from our Near North location. Throughout this season, we wanted to create something consistent that would help add even a little sense of rhythm to life. And so to do that, we've altered our use of this podcast, and instead, we'll be posting a short devotional every day. We hope you'll join us and we'll enjoy listening. This is the Pastor's Cut, and I'm Trevor Lovell. All right, it's good to be with you all. I hope you're faring well in this season. Today I'll be sharing from Psalm 2. Uh, and this actually, kind of this first week and a half, actually, we're going to be working entirely from the book of Psalms. Uh, and then after that, the week after that, we got something else we're working on that we're pretty excited for as well. But for today, Psalm 2 is where we're at, verses 1 to 4. And I want to start out by reading that passage together. This is Psalm 2, starting at verse 1. Why do the nations rage? And the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Amen. All right, I want to jump right into it today. So this psalm is actually a royal psalm, which what that means is that this psalm specifically deals with the king of Israel and kind of centers around that person and that role. Uh, and, and some scholars believe that this psalm would have actually been used in the coronation of new kings in Israel as they were anointed with oil and, official, and officially stepped into the role of king. This psalm would have been used in that coronation service because it affirms something that would have been really important for Israel concerning their king. Uh, basically, the idea that God himself had chosen their king and that God was with him, that God was backing their king. And we see that idea expressed throughout this psalm. In the opening, in verses 1 to 3, we see that the nations, meaning people groups outside of Israel, that they're raging and that they're plotting against Israel. They're working out plans to overthrow Israel. And what verse 2 calls out is that they're not just plotting against Israel. It actually says that the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, meaning the, the king that God had chosen for Israel. That's what anointed means. But so but the point is, in setting themselves against Israel, they're actually setting themselves against God. In picking a fight with Israel, they're actually picking a fight with God. And the psalm shows God's response to that. At the start of the second stanza in verse four, it says this, he who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. He sees their plotting and their planning and his response is laughter because he knows the reality of the situation, right? It's almost like, like Mike Tyson in his prime watching some middle school kid jumping rope and working a heavy bag, trying to get ready to beat him in a boxing match. Or like somebody putting together a racing strategy, meticulously mapping out every turn and corner when they're driving a broken down old tow truck with a flat tire and they're racing someone with a Lamborghini. All of the training and the preparation and the effort put into the strategy, it just makes you laugh because no matter how hard they try, they're never going to win. They're just outmatched. And that's what this psalm affirmed for Israel. And really as followers, of, that even when it doesn't feel like it, God is in control and our king is still reigning. That even when it doesn't feel like it, God is in control and our king is still reigning. Because the thought of someone or something being able to overthrow God is impossible. Because no matter who or what it is, they're just plain outmatched. They can't beat God. 
And as followers of Christ, the the references that this psalm makes to the king, we understand as references to Jesus because the New Testament actually references this psalm and makes that point in several places. One of them being the book of Acts chapter four, verses 25 and 26. When Peter and John, along with several other believers are praying together and they quote this psalm and reference this king as being Jesus. And so that's how we know that Jesus is our king who is reigning and ruling and that this psalm is talking specifically about him. And the psalm actually goes on to imply that God will give this king possession of all the earth and that this king will reign over all people, which we know and believe to be true of our King Jesus. But one of the fascinating things about this psalm that really brings out its significance is where it's located. The fact that the Israelites, as they were arranging this book of of Psalms, the fact that they chose to put it specifically here, second in the whole book, matters. That's a significant point. And the point is that many scholars have understood these first two Psalms, Psalm 1 and 2, as being like an introduction or kind of like the preface for the whole book. And they're supposed to frame the way that we approach the rest of the Psalms, the, the whole book. And the significance of that comes into play when we come to Psalms that are expressing frustration and even doubt towards God. Like in Psalm 44, where what's happening there is that Israel has been defeated in a military battle. People have died. They've lost their lives in this battle. And those who are left are asking the question, God, where were you? And where are you? Because it seems like you're not here. And and it doesn't seem like you're in control. And when we come to those Psalms, And when we come to those places in our lives, we're supposed to remember what this psalm teaches us about God and about our King, that even when it doesn't seem like it, God is in control and our King is still reigning. Because what can happen is we can get so scared of those things, so intimidated by them, that we fail to realize that if they were to get in the ring with God, they wouldn't stand a chance. We forget that even if they're scary to us, when it comes to God, They're just playing outmatched. And so with that being the main point of this psalm, I just want to ask the question, where in your life are you tempted to believe that something else is stronger than God? Where in your life are you tempted to believe that something else is stronger than God? Or maybe another way of putting it is, in the way that you live, do you act like something else is stronger than God? And if so, what is it? Or who is it? The truth is, in this time, we do still struggle with many things in this life that honestly are scary and they're difficult. But as the rest of this psalm implies, one day our king will fully establish his kingdom over all people and over all the earth. And no longer will anything rage against God and no longer will anything rage against us either. And that is what we look forward to, recognizing that along the way to it, yes, we will face trials, but even through them, God is in control and our King is still reigning. Thanks for listening today. I hope you're doing well. We'll be back tomorrow with another short devotional, so stay tuned.